0: We are in the third week of Advent. As you see, there's a three candles lit here. So we're in the third week of Advent, and as David said, Advent is a season of waiting. We're waiting for, uh, for Jesus to come. But in this season of waiting, we're essentially waiting in two big ways. We're waiting uh, through remembrance, and we're, and we're waiting through anticipation. We're remembering Jesus' birth where he took on flesh on Christmas Day, and that's about to come up in two weeks. But we are also waiting and anticipating Jesus' second return because he has promised that he will come again. And he has promised that he'll make things new again. We see this in the, the Apostle John writes in his letter to the seven churches in chapter 21, verse 3. And he wrote, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And I love this next part. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on a throne said, I am making everything new again. And because that we know that Jesus is going to return one day and make things new again, we have hope, we have purpose, we have belonging, we have that sense of belonging that we belong to somebody bigger, something bigger than us, as we've been discussing these last couple weeks. Seasons ultimately come and go, and we're reminded of this by the author of Ecclesiastes. He writes in chapter 3 that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. He goes on to mention in verse 3 that healing is one of these seasons. This text is about harmony. It's about coming to terms with the realities of life. And that could be hard because the realities of life are sometimes not so good. Healing is one of those touchy topics for various reasons. I suppose because we deal with people we deal with their difficulties we deal with pain suffering we deal with shame we deal with with the, their guilt but one thing is true and this is universal we all need healing every single one of us and in genesis 3 we see the reason why we need healing and the dire need for a healer you all remember the story in genesis 3 we see man and woman choose to follow another person creature namely the serpent God told Adam and Eve they can eat from every tree but one. The freedom of choice is sometimes a dangerous thing because authentic love and authentic obedience requires authentic freedom. And because of this, combined with curiosity and the serpent's crafty lies, they, well, we all know and have experienced the consequences of that decision every single day. They decide to listen to the crafty serpent Sin entered not only human beings, but it permeated all of creation, corrupting it. This caused the great chasm between God who is holy and man who who no longer is. We all need healing from the curse that was placed on us by our progenitors, Adam and Eve. And this spiritual brokenness didn't just stop there. It permeated all parts of life. We now have relational brokenness. We now have physical brokenness in our bodies. We have diseases, things not working the way they should be. We now experience shame. We experience guilt. We experience depression. You don't have to look far. Hurt and brokenness is everywhere. (laughs) I know that for myself, I have experienced and seen this brokenness and hurt in a variety of ways and in many different settings. I grew up, uh, as many might know, in the the first four years of my life, I grew up in communist Romania. Romania where my freedom was limited, where most of the church was um, worshiping secretly underground because of persecution. That's me, three years old. I, I, if you go to the next slide, I swear, I, I look like the World Vision sponsorship. I, it's just like with the black and white and the 30, but anyways. Anyways. Thankfully, I don't remember much of this oppressive ideology because, you know, I was four years old, but I grew up in a community in Detroit surrounded by Romanian people who have reminded me day in and day out of that persecution and what they, and what they went through. We then moved and came to the land of opportunity, America. <laughs> My family and I eventually traveled to the States and landed in Detroit. Our story started like most immigrant stories, we, we started with little to nothing in our pockets, we weren't sure what to expect, everything we saw about America, we, we learned from shows like Dallas from the 70s and every Chuck Norris film available at the time. <laughs> and in Detroit, I grew up in a community where there was violence, drugs, and gang activity. And this is what my house in my elementary school looks like now. Completely burnt to the ground, schools boarded up. It didn't look like that.. <laughs> we eventually moved to a nicer area. The houses were nicer. Schools were better. It was a calmer, peacer, peaceful, more peaceful way of life, but guess what? There was hurt and brokenness there, too. More recently, and right before moving here to Tulsa, I had the privilege of going with my father-in-law, who's a Church of God missions pastor, to Beirut, Lebanon. And we went there to help an organization called Heart for Lebanon, great organization that does a lot of great relief work. Right now in Lebanon, the population is roughly two, or four million, and there's on top of that two million Syrian refugees, and on top of that, there's almost a million Iraqi refugees that have fled to that country. And so the goal for us was to minister to Syrian and Iraqi refugees that have fled the slaughter of ISIS. I have never seen so much brokenness and pain and hurt in one place than I did there. We were there to bring relief through food and hygienic supplies, but we were there to do more, to feed their stomachs, yes, but to also feed their souls. We would often be invited into their homes into their tents, into their garages, wherever they had an opportunity to live. And they always, always welcomed us with the most amazing hospitality. And they always offered us the little that they had. Most of them did not have furniture, so we would sit down on the ground and listen to their story. And story after story of how ISIS and the oppressive Assad regime in Syria slaughtered their family, their friends, their neighbors... I don't think I met one family that did not have a story. These people were so hurt. These people were so broken. Much more than what I've ever experienced in my life and maybe you have experienced in your life. We would ask every person that we got to visit every single time, can we pray for you? And the answer was always yes. And then we asked, what would you like to pray for? The answer was always the same, the land. They wanted to go home. The good news is that we got to pray with these people and share the gospel with them. We got to share that the source of hope, belonging, purpose, forgiveness, hope, everything that we're talking about was not rooted in their land or their religious list of do's and don'ts, but rather it was rooted in the person, Jesus Christ and it's only by his wounds that we are healed. Isaiah the great prophet writes in chapter 53, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And the Apostle Paul version is that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Healing is interwoven all throughout Scripture. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see physical healing after physical healing. And guess what? And this is the good news for you and I today that God still heals. By his wounds, Jesus is our great sympathizer. He can relate with our pain, he can relate with our suffering. Why? Because he experienced it on the cross 2,000 years ago. If we look just one verse up, Isaiah 53 verse 4, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He took on him not only our past, present, and future sin, but he took on him our past, present, and future pain and suffering. But as you may know, (laughs) healing doesn't always come on time. And sometimes we struggle with it. And sometimes God just tells us what he told Paul, that my grace is sufficient. Why God chooses to operate in certain ways that we will never know in this lifetime. But regardless if healing comes now, or doesn't come in this lifetime, he does promise us that he remains the same, and he does promise us that he will walk with us through the pain and suffering, and it's in that walk that we slowly experience the grace and inner healing of God. This is why Christians look weird to so many people, because they have joy in midst of struggle, and they have, they have a peace in midst of chaos. I saw this stark difference between the Muslim refugees in the camps and the refugees who became Christians. The Muslim refugees had this, had this hopelessness in them. They, you could see it all over their faces, the way they carried themselves, the way they spoke. But interestingly enough, that the refugees who became Christians, it was like a night and day difference. They had hope and joy in the midst of their trials. God will never abandon us He will always be by your side, even if you don't feel it. Because we don't operate on emotions, we operate on faith. One of my professors from Asbury wrote a great book called Wounds That Heal, which I highly recommend. And he wrote, of course, knowing that God suffers with us doesn't make our pain disappear or explain the enigma of suffering, but it does enable us to keep trusting God. And keep believing in his goodness, even in the midst of an inexplicable. We may not be able to trace God's hand in what has happened, but we can still trust God's heart. And trusting God's heart encourages us to turn toward him instead of away from him, to turn towards the cross and the road we must travel. And here's the beauty. Even though we don't know what God's doing and we we can't see his hand all the time and what it's doing, we know that we can trust him. And trusting God's heart does something special in us. It fills our hearts with hope, causing us to stay close and not flee him. Sometimes we just have to trust and wait on God. So is this it? Do we just trust and wait? And this is the end of the story? What are we supposed to do while we wait and continue to trust for healing? Yes, we continue to pray. We continue to tell God of our hurts and pains. We lay our shame and guilt at the cross. Yes, we have faith in Jesus as our healer and that he could still heal today. But there's one thing I think we often forget. One thing that I saw among the refugees in Lebanon, and it's something that I think we can learn here from them here in our individualistic Western society. Their experience brought them together as a community. Here in the West, we often pull away when things go south and We go solo, we do our own thing, and guess what? It ultimately leads to a thing called loneliness. How much more powerful and how much more potent is this idea of community as Christians because the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in us? What if your healing lies here in the midst of community when we confess to one another? When we share with each other, when we pray for each other, when we serve each other, when we help each other, when we console and comfort each other, when we ultimately love each other, healing can come. Not from us per se, but from the power that lives in us, the same power that, that, that lives in us when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is described as the paraclete four times in the Gospel of John through chapters 14 and 16. And paraclete in Greek just means the one who comes to our aid, the advocate, the comforter. The Apostle Paul reminds us that as we have been comforted, we are called to comfort others in their time of need. The Apostle Paul writes this in his second letter to the church in Corinth. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. When the body is hurt, we focus all of our attention to that part of the body. We burn ourselves, we cut ourselves, our attention goes straight to that part of the body. This should be no different with the church all our focus should go to that part of the body. The Apostle Paul writes again in his first letter to the church in Corinth, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, man or woman, and we were all given the, the, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. And here's the point. He goes on to write in verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We suffer with those who suffer and we rejoice with those who rejoice. As a church, we are called to be like Jesus, actively pursuing each other and sharing the healing of Christ with others in our community. But here's the thing. A Christian theologian, his name is Renero Cantamalesa, picks up on the dangers of not being that pipeline of God's love, God's grace. And he writes, if the consolation we receive from the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, does not pass from us to others, if we want to cling to it selfishly for ourselves alone, it very soon rots away. This is powerful. We can't keep this for ourselves. What God gives us, we must become a pipeline to others. We say this at Thrive all the time, but just in a different way, using different words. We only thrive when others thrive too. We are in the middle of the Christmas season the holidays can, can be hard on many of us because of this brokenness. Loved ones dying, loneliness, physical disabilities, shame and guilt, something bad happening around the holidays, and now each time this time of the year comes, it's that reminder of that bad thing. Whatever it is, it could be hard. Christmas is a time where people get together in community, and those communities that we enter in regardless if it's with family, neighbors, friends, whoever it may be, they're never perfect. And if you look, there's probably hurt and brokenness there too. Remember, church, we are called to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're called to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, and we have a chance to exemplify Jesus. We have a chance to share and offer what Christ offers us through his Spirit. We are called to be the pipeline of love, offering and sometimes being the healing of Christ to others. Today, right now, we have this amazing opportunity to have fellowship with Jesus and experience his love, his forgiveness, his healing through communion at the table. We have an opportunity to be filled On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is my new covenant through my blood drink. We have this amazing opportunity to fellowship with Jesus at the table. We heard it numerous times said that time heals. I would argue no. Time does not heal. It just helps us to sort of forget. It just creates distance between us and that thing, that hurt that happened. I would argue that only a relationship with Jesus Christ can ultimately heal. At the cross, we find healing from every form possible. Jesus can heal our physical condition. He can heal our relational condition. He can heal our emotional condition. He can heal our spiritual condition. He can take away your shame. He can take away your guilt. What you need, he has, and he offers it to you abundantly. And again, because authentic love and authentic obedience requires authentic freedom, the choice is yours. Will you choose Jesus today? The Lord Lord draws near to all who call on him in truth. All who call on him in truth. So the question remains, where do you need healing today?